Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Dunfus Climate Solution. Thank you for listening to this podcast where we will be talking about the thoughts and considerations related to sizing or dimensioning a refrigeration system, so to obtain the best system for a specific purpose. I'm, as usual, joined by our experts, John Broughton and Jörg Saar. Hi, John and Jörg, and welcome to, as usual, um, this time we're going to talk a bit about components, how to select it, uh, the, the different parts of a system. And um, let me start out with, uh, with a, a curious question, I guess. Um, if I am to construct or to build a system that will cool down a certain amount of particular defined goods. It could be meat, it could be uh, something else, it could be uh, vegetables, it could be many different things. What should I do first? I mean, th there's a lot of thoughts going into that process of, of, of constructing or dimensioning a system. But what would be your first uh, question to answer? I, I guess, Jens, in, in, in simple terms, um, it depends what we're cooling, how fast we're cooling it, what temperature it comes in at, what temperature it needs to go out at, how easy that product would give up its heat. Um, for example, if you have, I don't know, let's say uh, carrots and they're in a box, they're in a cardboard box and the cardboard box is then stacked on a on a on a pallet and that pallet is then wrapped by cling film um, then it's going to take a long time for that product to give up its heat whereas if the carrots were laid on a tray um, with holes in the tray and the air can go over each individual carrot then it gives up its heat much quicker um, so I guess that's the sort of first thing to think about is the product the you know incoming temperature outgoing temperature how long you need to cool it down how quick etc etc um, and then from that, then you can decide on your refrigeration system, how much duty that you would need to do that. Um, the required airflow size of evaporators. So that then asks a, a sort of, or, or gives you answers to the next sort of phase, uh, in selecting the right equipment. Agree. Yes. And, and that is a pretty important point in my opinion this question of what is the temperature the products come in and what is the target temperature for storage if that is pretty much the same so if they are pre-cooled already coming in from somewhere and you don't need to cool them down you keep them at this temperature only then that's a different approach because you you have less capacity in that pull down phase you only need to make 
sure that you get rid of the heat that comes in through your insulation, through your doors, when you open the door and so on. If you need to cool down the product, then it, it requires quite a bit more capacity in the beginning after once afterwards no longer and then you need to look at how much heat do you need to get or do you need to remove from that product and that that is different carrots are different compared to milk compared to half half um half a cow and that kind of stuff so that's 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 where the differences come in where you need to do a bit of a calculation what about I mean, sure. <laughs> well, maybe it's 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 overdoing things a bit, but it, it it sounds as if it is just a simple or a calculation, rather not simple, but a, a calculation that you do. How much heat do you need to remove, and how fast? But mm. what about the flexibility? I mean, carrots one day, maybe radishes another day. Probably not a big difference between those two, but but still. Let's say uh, leaks, for instance, that's different at least. But is there a certain flexibility built into that? Or, or how do you see that? Oh, that, that, in my opinion, strongly depends on what you build. Um, if, if you build something specifically for carrots, let's say a larger cold store for carrots, long-term cold store, so, so you can keep the carrots there for, for some month, maybe even, then this is pretty much specific because you aim for a, a really pretty specific storage temperature, which is the best for carrots. You aim for a pretty specific humidity, which is the best for carrots. That might be a totally different one for apples or broccoli or potatoes and so on. And if you if you would even change to meat storage in the same facility, I mean, you cannot store both of them at, at the same time, but just assume you take all the carrots out, put meat in, uh, that needs different temperatures, different humidities, um, probably a different airflow to avoid that you dry the meat out. So if, if you really have something very specific, then then especially long-term storages, then it should stay quite specific. If you have a standard code room where you where you today have some carrots tomorrow or in two weeks or in two days, you have potatoes and then you go for something else. So a lot of change. Well, then, then the humidity is a factor, but not that important because you keep it only for a short period of time. And you don't have that major issue of drying out over a longer period of time. Mm. So something like, a, let's say, a cold room in the, the back area of a restaurant, of a commercial kitchen, something like that. Yeah. Then, yeah, it's a holding uh, fridge or, or freezer for short term use, which um, you, you try and get the, the the temperature range and humidity range that, that matches your, yeah, range of goods that you're physically storing in that cold room or freezer yeah your your average yes. thing i mean that that's a bit like your refrigerator at home you have different stuff in that refrigerator 
and you go for a temperature where your milk, your cheese, your vegetables, your whatever, stay fresh for a certain period of time. But your refrigerator at home is not a long-term storage. That's just not what it is. It can keep some stuff fresh for some days and, and that's it. Yep, very true. And you can certainly tell that if you go into the salad drawer and find a, a lone carrot that's been there for like four months or something. <laughs> and it's like, mm, don't think we'll eat that one. <laughs> no. If you're lucky, you still see that it was a carrot <laughs> once, right? Yeah, yes. yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyways, I guess <clears throat> what we've been kind of talking about is, is the evaporator, right? I, I, yes and no. Um, you have to balance your your system, and if you think of the the major components within your system, you have your compressor, you have your condenser, you have your evaporator, and whatever you uh, the 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 duty that you take from your evaporator, which is extracting the the heat from the product to be cooled. Um, that has to match the capacity of your compressor there or thereabouts. Um, and then your condenser has to match that capacity again with a little bit more for the uh, heat of compression that you generate in the compressor. So those those three main components have to be yeah, e equally sized mm. to, to, to get a balance point. And if one of them is larger or smaller than the other, then that balance point will shift. Um, and you'll see that in your evaporating temperature, uh, either up or down, depending which one is larger or smaller. It, that's uh, the, an interesting point you mentioned, the balance point. These components will find a balance point, no matter how you select them. So assuming you have an evaporator which is far too small and we talk about a one-to-one -one system one evaporator one compressor one condenser here so make your evaporator far too small these three components still find a balance point it's just not where you want it to be <laughs> because all of a sudden your evaporator is too small your compressor takes a lot of refrigerant for that evaporator, a lot of refrigerant out of that evaporator. So what's going to happen is that it just pulls down in pressure, in temperature, and your balance point is somewhere far, far lower than you wanted it to be. But these three components, they find a balance point. Yeah, it, naturally. And, naturally. And your job is to select them in a good way so that they find the balance point where you want it to have. Or where you want it to be and you cannot move that balance point so you cannot say ah i adjust the expansion valve in a way that i i move that balance point that doesn't work so you you dimension actually the three main components at once in one go so to speak mm. yes the yeah. capacity i guess plus uh, of course the temperatures and the amount of refrigerant. Yes, correct. Yes. So, so if if you want to have an evaporating temperature of of say minus two Celsius, then you need to balance your components in a way 
select your components in a way that the capacities match at these minus two when you mm. have your operating condition. And then your balance point will be somewhere close to minus two when you do the right selection. Um, if you require, let's say, a high, uh, put my teeth back in, a higher humidity or a lower humidity, then you can adjust that selection of compressor, condenser, evaporator, and find a situation where you, your humidity is correct for the goods that you're storing. Um, so you can play around with that a little bit depending on on what you're storing. If you need a, a very high humidity or a very low humidity, um, again, de de you know, depending on on the product itself. And, and now we talked about a one-to-one -one system. If we briefly go to a system where you have several evaporators and maybe a compressor pack, then your controller of the compressor pack controls your, your compressors in a way that you have the same suction pressure all the time. Now you select your evaporator to that preset suction pressure, the suction pressure or suction um, temperature, evaporating temperature you have selected. That's that's then where you select your your evaporator. Then the the balance point is always given because your compressor pack just powers your suction pressure to a certain point. The compressor pack is controlled that your suction pressure is at a certain point. And that's where your your evaporator will work now. Mm. But if you have a one-to-one -one system, they balance each other out. There is no controller which which somehow sets your your balance point. That's that's something uh, that's you need to have in mind, in my opinion. A power pack, a compressor pack, sets a fixed evaporating pressure. And if you have a one-to-one -one system, it depends on the selection of your evaporator, compressor, and and uh, condenser, where your balance point is going to be. Mm. Yeah. And then I, I guess you're just following on from that. If you had a system with a pack uh, and multiple evaporators and the evaporators were in different applications, uh, you would then fit an evaporator pressure regulator to control your your individual um, evaporating temperatures in the various rooms, for example, if you yes. had a suite of cold rooms that all required a slightly different temperature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it starts to get tricky, I guess, won't it? I mean, how do you then dimension these uh, pressure regulators, suction pressure regulators? Well, um, your what you let let's assume you have three evaporators so let's not make it too complicated right now just for for thinking about that you have three evaporators one cold room you want to have very cold the other one medium temperature and the third one a bit uh, quite warm so your compressor pack or your compressor of course needs to be able to provide that lowest suction pressure for your lowest temperature cold room. That's where you start. That's where your suction pressure is going to be. So for the lowest cold room, you don't have a pressure regulator. That's fine. 
Now for the next one, which is a good deal warmer. Let's say your lowest one is at minus 30. The, the other one is at zero and the, and the other one is for drinks at plus 10. So the one at zero, I mean, crazy example, but let's play with that. The one at zero, you would build this, uh, this pressure regulator into the suction line. And then you need to do a calculation of how much of a flow do you have? How much capacity do you need over that regulator? And that then gives you the size of the regulator. To do that manually is a bit of work. I would always recommend to go to a selection software here, like Cool Selector, and say, well, this is the one side of my suction regulator, the other side is that pressure, and I know how, how much capacity I need for that cold room. I need, let's say, two and a half kilowatts here with that refrigerant, and then the selection software tells you this size of, of suction pressure regulator, that's the right size. Because if you make that too small, you will never be able to, to shovel the capacity through that regulator. If you make that far too big, that regulator will have difficulties to maintain your, your required or your, your suction pressure you want to have. It will start hunting and making maybe even interesting noises. Mm. Yeah. It it uh, does actually require at least uh, a nice software. If not, you you don't have that. Well, then you need to calculate. Yeah, and, and you on. need to play around with with tables and so on. That that's possible. I mean, um, mm. that has been done before. Software sure sure was was used. It is just quite a bit more work. So it yeah. it makes your life easier to go to the software. But it is possible, of course. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it, it it it's probably worth saying as well that this this balance point between your yeah, evaporator, compressor, condenser that there's also a, a commercial element in there as well. So large evaporator, more money. Smaller evaporator, slightly less money. Mm. Um, you still need your your refrigeration duty, so that's your your compressor size really fixed. Um, but the size of your evaporator, you can play around a little bit with, depending on the temperature that you need, the humidity that, that you need. Yeah, exactly. So make your evaporator smaller. That's okay. You have a lower evaporating temperature. You still can shovel the capacity, but then that will dehumidify your air more. That's yes. just how it is. You cannot avoid that. If you yeah. want to have a very small dehumidification, there's no way around a big evaporator. And it, it's interesting. I always remember one particular site, uh, no names mentioned, that was keeping um, a product around about three degrees, and we were evaporating about minus 15. Um, oh. And that was a pure mismatch of equipment. But like you say, it found its balance point. It was a little bit low, but it found a balance point. <laughs> Yeah, it, it will find its balance point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any reason to go deeper into the condenser, maybe? Well, um, the, the, the condenser has an influence on the compressor's 
capacity. So if you make your condenser too small, it constantly operates at very high condensing temperatures. And that means it pushes down your capacity because the higher the, the condensing temperature, the less capacity you get. And that will also raise your discharge temperature, which makes our compressor work much harder, gives it a harder life. Um, so yeah, it, it's a little bit like, you know, go a bigger condenser, um, get your head pressure down, get your discharge temperature down, look after the compressor. But again, every everything is a commercial decision at the end of the day we can't avoid that yeah that's that's exactly the point so make your condenser smaller it still works if you make it far too small well there is always a limit right but make your condenser smaller it still works your compressor works harder it needs more energy so your customer pays more for the energy in the end and Sometimes it is really a good idea to to give your customer that explanation to say, look, um, that condenser is a bit bigger. Yes, but it helps you save money. Now you pay something more first cost, but you get that money back after seven months of operation because your system is running 24-7. So you pay for the energy and you save energy when you make the condenser bigger. Hmm. Yeah, many, many times you'll end up seeing, you know, when we have extremes of ambient temperature in, in the summer, um, the condensers are sized for a certain ambient and a certain amount of heat rejection. And if the condenser can't cope with, I don't know, let's say 46 degree, um, you will suffer um, and your refrigeration system will not operate correctly. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, larger condenser the better. Yeah, <clears throat> and then it's a question of money, as you said. Yes, yeah. yeah. Or having the apprentice with a hose pipe on the condenser in the summer <laughs> to try and keep the head pressure down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the sprinkler system. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, I guess sort of the main components we've we've touched on now are there any other, uh, say, uh, secondary products maybe that uh, we should touch upon? Or say uh, the solenoid valve, for instance, you just pick the one that fits the pipes? Um, if possible, pick the one that fits the cooling capacity <laughs> <laughs> and and then check whether it is available in the pipe size you want to have because quite often you get solenoid valves with the same pipe size in different capacity steps. So if you go for pipe size only, and the same accounts for many other products, if you go for pipe size only, it is pure luck that you might hit the right capacity. I would really start the other way around with cooling capacity and then select the appropriate pipe size you would want to work with. I, I guess that that goes for all the components and the interconnecting pipework that we have in a refrigeration system. Everything has to be sized to do that duty of of work, if you like. So whether it's the solenoid valve, whether it's the filter dryer, whether it's the, the size of the suction pipe, everything is and has to be sized correctly to do that amount of work 
otherwise we run into issues yeah and as you mentioned secondary products yeah of course you can always kind of um, kill a system even with those secondary products so assuming you build in a filter dryer which is by far too small then everybody could say yeah but come on it's a filter dryer what what should happen well not even talking about not sufficient drying capacity and so on but you you generate a lot of pressure drop there you generate flash gas in the filter dryer your expansion valve is no longer able to operate in a good way and yeah if if the selection is terribly wrong then even the best selection of evaporator compressor and condenser cannot handle that if if you build in something else that does not fit at all so in in general somehow um, all that stuff needs to fit together sure mm. sure yeah you i was going to say John. you make a good point Jörg, actually that all the other components in the system um you know dryer side glass expansion valve electrics pressure switches everything has a direct effect good or bad on the compressor so you get your expansion valve wrong you set it up incorrectly whatever um that'll have a direct effect on the compressor and its operation and it and its lifetime um but would you uh, where would you start let's let's assume you have been able to calculate your required cooling capacity you want to store some, a certain amount of product and so on you calculated all of that you know you need six and a half kilowatts in in this case where would you start with an expansion valve with a solenoid valve with a compressor where would you start if we talk commercial refrigeration then you you'd start with your condensing unit selection Mm. Um, find your correct capacity for the conditions that you're talking about, then balance your evaporator to that. So you have your, your balance point and your duty, and then go around and then size the rest of the components. So expansion device, solenoid valve, um, yeah, I was going to say dryer sight glass, but it, those may be included in the condensing unit from the factory anyhow. Um, yeah. So the, the the main component first is your condensing unit selection, and then your evaporator selection, then your expansion valve selection, and then any other components that you'd have within your system. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, even your size of condensing unit, do you base it on a 16-hour run? Do you base it on an 18-hour run? Um, there's all those commercial things to take into account as well. Yeah. Um, if you want the system running less, then you have a slightly bigger unit. If you want, if you can cope with that energy use, then maybe you have a slightly smaller unit and it runs more. Um, you know. I agree. And I mean, that's when we maybe come back again to the selection of, of your capacity. Uh, you know maybe how, how much produce you need to store, what the temperature um, is that the products come in with and your storage temperature. What you can only guess is how open, how often somebody will open that door to that code room. How many people run around in that code room for how many hours a day? That's always a guess, a, a best guess quite often. 
and an educated guess, but it is a guess, and that's why you have these 16 or sometimes 18 hours to have a bit of a buffer. Mm. So you never go to 22 or even 23 hours and say, well, I, I did a very good calculation and that's fine. So somebody needs to open the door two times more a day and then you have a challenge if if you if you don't have any buffer. Mm. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. So the the best way of doing things is essentially to open up Cool Selector. Essentially, yes, yes. It's always it's a very useful way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. it it helps you in so many points. Yeah, and makes your life a good deal easier. That's true. Yeah, I, I think it, it's like you said, you might get away with it. And the system might work, but you don't actually know what's going on inside that valve. Um, take a solenoid valve, for example, the system might work, but the diaphragm in the valve might be fluttering. So eventually you wear the diaphragm out and then it's like, that that valve is faulty well it only became faulty because of the selection or non-selection that you made of that component uh, yeah and then Let's maybe see. one remark um there are some numbers out in the world which say if you have a freezer code room you need that many kilowatts per square meter or that many watts per square meter in general. If you have a normal refrigerator code room, you need that many watts per square meter. If you use that, um, that might work. And that's that often works on a standard average everything storing code room where you have a short term storage of something like your refrigerator at home. However, those are really average values. And if, if you want to be a bit better, if you want to make sure you have a bit of a longer term storage facility, then you should really do that, that more detailed calculation. So if we take if we take a few steps backwards and, and look at what we've just been talking about, uh, I'm not going to conclude anything because that's more or less impossible. But if 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 uh, we should sort of wrap it up in somehow, um, it's about taking sort of a wide angle view of the situation. What is it that we need to store in what type of room, and then we can start calculating using call selector or something else, but at least uh, preferably some sort of software to calculate the uh, needed capacities, temperatures, etc, etc. Any other additions to this sort of wrapping up of things? I, I think you, you give it um, a good explanation, Jens. It's a sort of holistic view of the system and making sure that all the parts of the system work together in harmony, I guess is a good word, um, that they all do their specific job, they're sized correctly, um, and the system works as it should. Um, there's actually a very good tool in Cool Selector 
um, when you look at the condensed unit side, because when you do a selection, it then gives you the, um, let's say, operating conditions of that system. So it'll give you your suction pressure, your discharge pressure, temperatures, et cetera, all around the system. So it, it's actually quite a good commissioning tool that we can come onto um, that you can install a system and plot that information in Call Selector. And then it will give you a guide as to what you expect your suction pressure, suction temperature should be, discharge pressure, discharge temperature, things like that around the system. So everything is working as it should. Mm. Um, if you, let's say, didn't design a system and just picked components randomly and put them all together, it might work and it, you might get refrigeration. But is it working correctly and in harmony? Mm, that's a different question. So uh, yeah, for me, everything has a job to do and everything affects everything else, but they have to be sized correctly to work correctly together. That's that's the uh, the major point. Yeah, this this good work of the components of the of the systems. As you said, you quite often get a refrigeration effect. If you just randomly pick any component, you find put that together, put them together, charge the system you probably get a refrigeration effect. Is that sufficient for what you want to have? <clears throat> Big question. Is that system running efficiently? Probably not. Will it run in five years? Who knows? <laughs> and and so on. So it, it's really do something that that fits together and that is made for each other. That's the idea. Great. Thank you guys for this another interesting discussion, chat talk about refrigeration. But uh, thank you so much for today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening in on this podcast. You are very welcome to post your questions in the social medias where you find Danfoss, typically LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. We've mentioned Cool Selector a couple of times in the podcast, and you can find and download Cool Selector by visiting danfoss.com and then search for Cool Selector. Thank you so much, and remember to keep your cool even when things are running hot.